When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Here's what's cooking on today's sports stove. We're going to talk some Major League Baseball with our friend Graham Wallace. We're going to talk all things NFL playoffs and everything going on within the NFL. And we're even going to field a listener question today to get us all started. That and more. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to another edition of the Sports Show Podcast, and today we are presented by Belly Up Fantasy Baseball Live, starting February 20th, every Sunday at 8 p.m. on Tiki Live, Twitter, and Facebook. Belly Up Fantasy Baseball will bring you all the greatest fantasy baseball coverage, hosted by Kevin Wilson and myself, and excited for fantasy baseball to get started here very, very soon. Tonight, I'm joined as I usually am every weekend here by my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Boy, exciting football coming up this weekend. So, Yeah, well, a lot going on with football. Uh, the USFL had some more announcements today as well. They announced two more uh, head coaches, and uh, then they made the announcement they'll play all the games in Birmingham this year. Uh, so that's intriguing as well. Um, then we're going to talk Major League Baseball today with the Hall of Fame vote coming up here. Graham Wallace is going to join us. We'll talk about the Hall of Fame ballot. We'll talk about his article on the uh, the best free agents available. And uh, we'll also get into the MLBPA uh, having their, their counteroffer coming up as well. So Graham will join us here in just a few minutes, and uh, we'll talk that with him. But first, Dad, today I want us to get into uh, a listener question. Our listener reached out and asked for our opinion, wanted to know our thoughts on college football player opt-out. So over the last several years, uh, I seem to think, I remember it first happening with Leonard Fournette at LSU, but I, I, it may have happened before that too. But uh, more recently, college football players have been opting out of bowl games, not playoff games or championship games, but bowl games uh, to get ready for the NFL draft. The idea is so that they don't get injured or something happened, um, you know, a freak accident or whatever it may be. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of opinions on on that idea. Should they opt out? Should they be allowed to opt out? What does it say about the players that do opt out? Those kinds of things all around. So, Dad, let's get your thoughts on the player opt-outs first, and then I'll give you my thoughts if they're much different than yours. Yes, well, I, I, I don't like the idea of people opting out with it. I think they're a part of the team, and if the team is there, um, I mean, I've heard a lot of different sides of it. Um, I remember hearing a guy who was a former NFL player who was just so outspoken about 
Um, you know, they did, don't worry, players, they don't owe the college anything. Uh, the college isn't going to do anything for them once they're done. You know, they, they need to protect themselves in their own career. And I thought, well, one, that's not true. The college did do something for them, whether or not they got in a college education, but they gave them the platform. In other words, to um, to be able to play football and and to get the recognition that they did. Um, and again, the idea, well, we don't want to get hurt, like you said, that only that only seems to apply to bowl games that aren't uh, playoff games or championship games. People don't opt out of those, and they can get hurt in those just as easy as they can somewhere else. I, I think I think the idea of, of being part of a team, which really all that is changing now so much in the world of sports. Um, but I don't like to see players opt out. I think it, you know, it, it's going to hurt. The, the bowl thing is going to change at some point in time. And the fact that the players are opting out is probably going to be one of the things that makes it change because um, even with, you know, uh, television contracts, I would think they're not guaranteed again, to have the big name stars in the game. And then all you have is just the fans uh, of that school really watching. You don't draw from um, being able to watch players, you know, boy, a potential Heisman guy or, or situations like that. So um, I, I think they ought to play. Can they make them play? No, I, I not in this day and time. That, that won't happen um, from there. And maybe some teams are okay with it. I mean, you get – you know, some teammates will say, oh, they understand, but I don't know that everybody does. And again, I don't think, you know, a team makes a bowl game um, and then some of the, the players that helped them get there aren't involved anymore. And that, that really just changes everything. So I've never been a big fan of that, of players opting out. But again, that's probably where we're at today. Yeah, I used to think kind of like you do, um, but I've changed my my thoughts on it here in the last year or two, I guess. The way I look at it, Dad, is once the regular season's done, uh, if you're not in the playoffs, the bowl really doesn't mean anything. Uh, yeah, There was a point in time where it meant a little bit more, certain bowls especially meant a little bit more, but the bowl system is completely watered down now. And uh, so if you're playing a meaningless game anyhow, I see it as an opportunity for the school to start looking at next year. Let's get some guys some opportunities on the field that are going to be playing for us next year when these guys graduate out. And so it's actually, I think, a good opportunity for them to see what they've got for for next year a little bit with some of these players. I also look at the idea that college football players, it's more of a business now than it's ever been. And when they start to realize the kind of money that's available to them at the next level, it would be wild if someone ended their career because of an injury in a meaningless bowl game. Now, has that happened? Not recently. Uh, Matt Corral got injured, but it looks like he'll be okay. It probably will hurt his draft stock a little bit. But that being said, I think that there's a, um, I don't know, I've, I've, I guess I've changed in my thoughts where now I really don't care. Um, one, when it first started happening, I said, oh, man, these guys are supposed to be committed to this team, to this program, to those guys in the locker room, and they need to, to finish it out. They need to finish strong and all those kinds of things. And then the more I looked at it, the more I realized it really doesn't matter. The coaches are leaving before the Bulls games anyhow. Um, you know, there's other things going on. Why not protect what's ahead of you and give you an opportunity in the future, at least, to have a um, a better opportunity at making more money? And uh, so that's where I sit at it now. I've changed, like I said, over the last couple of years on my, my opinions of it. But that being said, um, I don't know. I I just don't care anymore. <laughs> they they opted out of a playoff game or of a championship game. That would be much different because those are not meaningless games. But the other games, honestly, nowadays, they just don't mean anything. I mean, back when in the early days, Dad, when I was a kid or, or even before I was born, some of those bowls, uh, when they talked about a little bit with the Rose Bowl this year, I've heard some of the guys talk about it. They just meant so much to be in the Rose Bowl to be in the Orange Bowl, to be in the Cotton Bowl. I, I mean, there were different things that at different times and, and stages meant more. But nowadays, you know, the, t- the best Big Ten teams not always in the Rose Bowl because they're in the playoffs, and if the playoffs aren't at the Rose Bowl, then, you know, so then you got the second best Big Ten team. And it doesn't – it just – it waters it down, doesn't it? 
Um, yes, I mean, I think it waters down the bowl games. It's interesting, though, because I, I, I've listened to this from other coaches and everything. And when you say they're meaningless bowl games, um, you've got many, many players on every team that are seniors that are not going to go to the NFL. And I've heard it's not meaningless for them to win the last game of their college career and for that school, for them to be able to go back and say, yes, we were such and such a bowl champion, even though it wasn't a big championship. I know, again, I follow Middle Tennessee State quite a bit, and they won the Bahama Bowl this year. And I remember Coach Stock still saying, hey, these seniors, nobody will ever take that away from them. They'll have a ring. And, and yeah, they're not going to go to the NFL, but they won They won their last game, and they're and they on a team that won a bowl game. And that means something for those guys. So, I mean, I know that doesn't mean a lot for, you know, sponsors and all the big money that's going on today. But to say it's meaningless, um, again, we t- we're totally getting away from college athletes, student athletes, when we say that. Oh, we're way past student athlete. <laughs> we, we moved yeah. on from that for sure. And those schools like MTSU, like other uh, smaller schools, they're, they're, they're not going to have those opt-outs in most cases because those guys are playing. That's, that is their uh, legacy, so to say. Uh, but when you have the guys in the SEC and the Big Ten, Pac-12, so on and so forth, that it is meaningless for them individually. Is it meaningless for the team? Maybe not. And maybe that's the, the, the breakdown, right, is that, you know, well, if, you, if you think team-oriented, you should play. But everyone's looking out for themselves, and it's in, in many cases, rightfully so. And uh, so they do what's best for them. That's, that's our thoughts on that. Thank you, by the way, for uh, listeners for uh, reaching out and asking questions. Do it anytime. We'd be happy to talk about topics that you'd like us to talk about. And feel free to share your opinions in the comment sections uh, of our social media pages as well. You can always email us, thesportsstove at gmail.com, or just message us on social media. All right. Thinking of uh, selfish people, let's bring in now our friend, <laughs> Graham Wallace. Uh, <laughs> I, I kid, I kid. Uh, we love Graham. Graham uh, is back with us to talk some baseball. How you doing, Graham? Uh, doing well. Always uh, great to be on the sports stove with you, Vince and Dale. Uh, Quite the introduction there. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sorry to be mean. I was promised. I promise I was just kidding. Uh, Graham, there's a lot happening in the baseball world these days. Uh, the announcement came out today that the uh, came out on Thursday that the uh, MLBPA will be presenting their counter offer. Uh, is there any potential of positive movement out of this? It's winter time. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. I think you always have to have potential. You always have to have hope. Uh, I think that the the voices of the public, baseball fans uh, like you and I, you know, we we really want to see a deal get made. We want to at least get some traction uh, closer to some some kind of a deal. Um, I, I'm trying to be remain optimistic because uh, it's getting a little bit late, as as they like to say uh, frequently in, in uh, game broadcasting. Uh, you know, it's we're about a month away from you know, spring training games being, being starting to be played. So um, I really hope that they can come up with some kind of creative solutions. I've heard some different ideas being kind of bandied about there. And uh, I'm optimistic, but I'm also, I would say, cautiously optimistic about a deal being made, uh, you know, in the next week or so. Yeah, I assume there, that the counter off will be will be met with another counter offer and so on and so forth until finally someone breaks a little bit. And uh, and opens the door for return. Um, when baseball gets started, you just recently posted an article on Belly Up Sports about free agents, the top free agents available, and there are some good ones, and even some that have some tie to your Blue Jays. Um, you want to just talk about some of those names that you had in your article and what you think's ahead. If there's anything that you've seen that uh, points to some direction for those guys once they're able to sign. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Carlos Correa, even when free agency first started a couple months back, he was pretty much circled as that number one player. Uh, certainly a potential for a $300 million t- uh, contract a la A-Rod uh, with the Rangers about 20 years ago. Um you know, that limits his market. I kind of mentioned that a little bit in the writing. Uh, you know, it's going to be the usual suspects. C- could Houston bring him back? It's, it's possible, but it's kind of seems like they're in a bit of a transition right now with some of their, uh, players from that, uh, 2017 championship season. Uh, so, uh, quite a few of them aren't on the team anymore. Um, you know, the Dodgers are always going to be in the mix that the Yankees are going to be there. Uh, the Red Sox have made some statements saying that they're not really interested in signing a player to that kind of a contract. You had Texas throwing around a huge amount of money to land both Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager. So they're probably out of those sweepstakes. Uh, and then, you know, the next couple guys on the list, uh, Freddie Freeman and, and uh, Chris Bryant, they have been linked to the Blue Jays. And I think uh, more so Bryant would be a great fit. He could play third. Uh, he could play the outfield. Um, they're kind of missing uh, an impact infielder after uh, Simeon walked out the door there. Um, but I really think Trevor Story can be the steal of this uh, year's free agency, free agent class. Uh, Ryan O'Rourke, uh, Belly Up Sports, he wrote an article about that uh, just over a week ago. And I kind of uh, linked that in my story as well. Look, he's basically considered the fifth best middle infielder if you want to put Simeon in there with with Seager, Javi Baez, and Correa as well. But, you know, he's a terrific player. He's got really good power. Um, I've heard of some teams being creative about maybe moving him uh, across to the other part of the the middle infield, second base, or maybe even the outfield. Uh, We heard that in the trade deadline as well. You know, I've even heard that Colorado is going to try to win next year and they're going to try to bring him back, uh, which we saw the value of of teams trying last year. The Braves were were around 500. They made a bunch of moves and they ended up winning the World Series. So uh, sometimes putting your chips in the middle of the, of the table can really pay off big dividends. Um, so Story could definitely be a steal because he could probably be had for perhaps under $100 million. Not that that's not a lot of money, but compared to some of the contracts these other guys are going to sign, um, it, it's really not that much. There's a bit of a drop off after those those top four or five guys, um, but there's still some some real quality there uh, in kind of the middle rankings as well. Have you heard anything about these teams that'll be losing some of these guys? So you've already talked about some potential for the Blue Jays to bring in some some high talent, but San Francisco brought in Chris Bryant midseason last year, and if they lose him, he was, he was a pretty big part of their success late in the season as well. So are there are there pieces out there? I know I'm putting on the spot here, but are there pieces out there that you see as, hey, if these guys lose, these teams lose some of these big free agents, there are some middle-tier free agents that could come in and make a difference? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, I really thought Bryant was a good candidate to, to come back to the Bay and maybe re-sign with the Giants. Now, I'm not closing the door on that, but uh, it's not something I've heard a lot of uh, rumors about necessarily. Now, if they're looking to replace him, that's that's going to be a tough tough thing for them to do. Uh, obviously, they signed Tommy Lastella last year. He was hurt for a lot of the year, but he's a solid player. Um, they might want to supplement him. Uh, they could go into the international pool, maybe signing a guy like Saya Suzuki uh, from the Japanese leagues. He, he's a guy who's garnering a lot of attention as a power hitting outfielder. Uh, Nick Castellanos is another one of those like mid tier guys who's really increased his power uh, hitting ability over the last several years. Uh, thir- career high 34 home runs last year. Uh, the thing with Brian is he's so versatile. We, we've seen him play third base, but he also admitted during the All-Star break that he loves playing center field. If he could have his way, that's that's kind of where he'd be uh, day in, day out. Uh, Michael Conforto is another guy who I think uh, could be an interesting player here. The Mets uh, declined to offer him a qualifying offer. A lot of people kind of sh- uh, scratched their head at that. He's had a solid uh, career. But then they ended up signing Mark Hanna and also Starling Marte. So the Mets' uh, plans kind of became more clear when they did that. So those are a few candidates uh, of players that I think – they could sign, you know, they could also go up more of an econo route uh, by signing a guy like Josh Harrison, who's had a really nice career. Uh, a lot of success, uh, a lot of his success has come in the National League as well. 34 years of age, he could probably still get it done uh, for another couple of years. So those are some options. None of them are Chris Bryant. It's going to hurt their team uh, if they don't sign him. Uh, but, you know, those are a couple of options, uh, certainly. Now, as far as the Braves, if they lose Freddie Freeman, that's going to be a huge part of their identity. It's hard to imagine that team uh, without him. Um, and, you know, he he's such a great player and a, and a really good guy as well. So I'd be hard-pressed to, to 
think of a replacement of him on their their roster they would have to pivot somewhere but it's hard to come up with something off the top of my head to be honest yeah, when you think of Freddie Freeman in Atlanta, honestly, he kind of reminds me of Chipper Jones. Uh, he, he just seems like a, a staple there in Atlanta. And to see him move on now, I mean, I'm not a Braves fan, but I've got, as, a, as a baseball purist, I'd be like, oh, that kind of stinks. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see him stay in Atlanta. Same. Um, all right, I want to talk to you about the uh, Hall of Fame because the uh, ballots are being casted here very soon. But before we talk about the ballot, I want to give people an idea on where you stand when it comes to baseball. So I've got some uh, some quick questions for you, and then that'll kind of help us see where does Graham stand in the baseball purest world, all right? Uh, question one, should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame? Oh, boy, this is this is such a tough one for me. Uh, I, I've really struggled with this. Um, you know, I grew up with my dad saying he should never be in the Hall of Fame, and I kind of adopted that for a while until I kind of developed my own opinions. Um I, I do think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Look, he, he's one of the best players of all time, most hits ever. Um, his character, um, obviously with the betting, but also with the the taking out of of the the catcher at uh, the All Star game. I'm, uh, I believe it's uh, I'm 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 snoozing on the name. I'm sorry, but uh, Fossey. Fossey. Ray Fossey. Thank you, Dale. Yeah. Um, to me, that was almost worse than, than anything he did as far as the gambling is concerned. He just, he doesn't seem like a, like a great person. Um, now, does that mean he shouldn't be in the hall of fame? I, I don't necessarily think so. I would really love for him and, and major league baseball to kind of patch things up. Um, I feel like that ship has kind of sailed and um, there's a lot of stubbornness on both sides, but I, I would love, and time's running out. It's getting late as well. So uh, I would love to see that happen. Um I don't really think it's going to, though. Uh, next question. Should steroid users be taken off the ballot? I do not believe they should. Um, so I guess I'm a bit more of a new age fan. Um, you know, I, I am in favor of some of these guys getting in. Now, it, it's, you know, this is becoming a theme. It's getting late for a lot of them as well. They're they're eight, nine, ten, 10th year on the ballot. Um, look, there's guys that their numbers are inflated uh, and you could tell just by looking at their baseball reference page, you know, they're at 30 home runs and then boom, 50, 45, 55, you know, there's certain guys that really stand out. And there's other guys that were already great players that just kind of elevated as far as their home run totals are concerned. Um, I don't think all of those guys should get in. I think there's some guys that should probably be excluded. I'm not for taking them off the ballot. I think you got to leave it in the hands of the voters. I know they're sometimes biased. Um, sometimes they're idiotic, <laughs> but um, I, I think you got to leave it up to the, to the, the powers that be as far as the, the writers and the voters are concerned and, and let them decide. I, I don't think they should be taken off the ballot completely though. No. Okay. How about the universal DH for or against universal designated hitter? Now, this is one I'm for. For a while, I was, you know, I was against it. I like the strategy involved in the National League, but I just, I'm getting sick of watching a National League game. A guy gets on base, maybe a couple guys on base, and then there's two outs, and then, oh, here comes the pitcher. Say it's the fourth inning, you don't want to take the pitcher out. It just happens too often. Uh, it happens too often, and a non-competitive at bat, you know, he's going to get a hit maybe eight to twelve percent of the time, and it's just, it's not exciting. It's not fun. Now, I understand the other side of things. This is the way things have always been. But I think baseball's biggest problem sometimes is how traditional it is and how its unwillingness to change. You know, we've seen football embrace a lot of rule changes, and I think it's been, for the most part, really good for the sport. I would like to see baseball uh, kind of do that as well. Yeah, as a fan of a National League team, I'm 100% for the universal DH. I loved it when they did it uh, during the shortened season, and uh, I'm all for it. Uh, and then the extra innings, man on second. Uh, and I think they're going – are they going back away from that now? You know, I haven't heard a lot of talks about that. I think a lot of the sticking points are more about free agency and service time and uh, eliminating tanking, uh, some, some of the other big issues. Um, now, I've kind of talked to this uh, about this with a few friends, and I like the hybrid model, 10th inning, regular baseball. No one's on first, no one's on second. It's just 
brand new inning. And then maybe if it gets into the 11th, maybe start a runner on first base. And then mm-hmm. if it gets into the 12th, second base. Now you're not going to have too many games that go beyond that. Um, so I, I'd like to see them maybe get a little bit creative and try some kind of a hybrid model uh, when it comes to that. I don't think they like will, it. but <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. We had a lot of discussions on the belly up fantasy baseball show last year about the man on saying, I was all for it. I liked it. Thought it was great. Uh, and nothing, nothing against it. The other guys that were on the show with me, uh, hated it. <laughs> so, yeah. um, all right. So let's get to the hall of fame ballot. Uh, some, some big names on there, but not a whole lot of big names actually on the ballot this year. Uh, the guys, you know, Barry Bonds is one of the bigger names up there, but he has all the controversy around him with the, um, steroids how many guys you think are yeah. getting in this year if any uh well i mean i, I guess we're coming off a year when we, we had zero last last summer or last last year i should say last winter uh there was zero um i believe kurt Schilling was the closest um i have three that i think should get in this year um now, of those, maybe only one or two or maybe zero will get in. But I, I'd be really disappointed if we have another uh, – I can't remember. Was it last year or two years ago when it was zero? I think it was two years ago. Maybe two years ago because I'm thinking of yeah. the year when uh, Jeter got in as well. Um, mm. So for my ballot, if – you know, I don't have a vote. I'm not, I'm not that high up in the baseball world just yet. Uh, but if I did, uh, I, I would vote for three uh, players. Which three would you vote for? So I got Kurt Schilling. Uh, I think if if you think about what he was able to do in the playoffs uh, with the Phillies, Diamondbacks, and the Red Sox, three World Series championships, also a, a World Series MVP. Uh, he did win a Cy Young as well. Um, you know, a lot of people would say his cumulative numbers aren't quite good enough as far as the win total, um, things like that. But um, I think if you if you look, especially his playoff resume, he did enough. Now he's a controversial figure. Some of the things he said and gotten involved with after his career has uh, has ended, kind of got himself into a bit of hot water uh, with some some of those things. Uh, I'm not a, a greer or a, I I totally denounce a lot of those things that that he's involved with. Uh, that being said, I I still think he deserves to to be in the hall. Uh, I know he was really disappointed when it didn't happen for him a couple years ago. Um, I hope this is the year for Kurt and maybe he could turn his life around uh, outside of, of the sport as well. Um, and then I also got, I also got Barry Bonds. Um, now we kind of talked a little bit about players like this. And to me, he's, he's the best of them. He's the best example of that. To me, Barry Bonds is the best baseball player I've ever seen. And that's long before he, he even signed with the San Francisco Giants. I, I still you know remember him with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Guys, he hit 334 home runs as a member of the Pittsburgh Pirates and, and he stole a ton of bases and he was eight time gold glove winner. Uh, you know, he walked 232 times in one season with the giants, just incredible. Um, now his personality and his use of steroids certainly turned a lot of folks off and his, his selfish attitude a lot of the times and his um, treatment of the media, you could go on and on about this, but uh, I, I always say to people uh, he's the best baseball player I've ever seen. And um, for that, I, I think he deserves to be in there. Um, I wish he didn't tarnish his career with some of the things uh, he did and some of the choices he made, uh, but he did. Um, I think he's kind of served his his time, if you will. I know he's not in jail or anything, but he's he's had his reputation damaged enough, and I think it's time for him to be enshrined uh, with some of those other great ball players. Um, and the other guy I have, uh, another controversial figure, who I think if you just take his career with the Red Sox uh, and the Blue Jays, he's a Hall of Famer, uh, Roger Clemens. Um, mm. The fact that he was able to survive for another 10 years is is just incredible. And I know the use of those uh, substances certainly helped him with in, in that regard. But um, there was just no one better uh, than the Rocket from you know the early 80s uh, right into the 2000s. His career was so long. And, you know, like I said, those substances certainly helped him extend that career, but just Red Sox and Blue Jays to me was enough. And the, the Yankees was almost like the, uh, the cherry on top for him. Awesome. Dad, any questions for Graham? <laughs> uh, no, very interesting. Enjoyed hearing about that and, and especially the take on the free agents and everything. Again, I'm, I was interested about, um, and I'll probably pronounce it right, but Castellanos or Castellanos there. Because, uh, you know, I, I live up here in Red's country now, and uh, to me that would be a big blow if they lose him. But does it look like they probably will? 
Um, I, I wouldn't close the door on that, but I also wouldn't um be too sad about it. I think guys like Castellanos are kind of a dime a dozen. I, I think he's a very good player. He's a developing power hitter, but he's going to hurt you in the field. Um, if if you could get a, a, a better defensive outfielder, someone along the lines of a, like a Carson Nimmo or something like that, he's a comparable player. Maybe not the power, um, but he he he's a guy who can be replaced, especially if you think about. Um, some of the other power that you have in that lineup with Je- a guy like Jesse Winker. If, if he could repeat the season he had last year, I think the Reds will be just okay, uh, especially if they're able to supplement uh, a loss like Castellanos w- with another decent ball player. Yeah, and the Reds, the one thing they had was power. Um, yeah. They did not have a bullpen, but they, <laughs> they did have some power on that team uh, as well. All right. I think that's it for now. Graham, uh, thanks for being with us. Uh, you can find Graham on Twitter at Bus Wallace, B-U-S Wallace, Belly Up Sports. I uh, find him on bellyupsports.com and Jay's Journal as well. Um, and you can catch Graham occasionally on Belly Up Fantasy Live uh, with us, uh, talking baseball throughout the year. And uh, so I'm sure we'll see him a few times throughout the year as well. So, Graham, hope you're doing well. Thanks for spending some time with us again today. Yeah, you bet. Always great to uh, to be on with you guys, and uh, uh, good luck to the Packers uh, this weekend. Thank you. Go Pack Hill. <laughs> we'll All see right. you, Graham. We'll see you. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. All right, that's Graham Wallace from Belly Up Sports and from the Jays Journal. And I uh, always appreciate Graham coming on. He's, he's a great guest and always has great material for us there as well. All right, Dad, we're going to get into the NFL uh, as the playoffs continue to roll through. We're down to the final eight teams left in the playoffs. I want to, we'll start off talking about the games this week, and then we'll go backwards and talk about last week and the things that happened. Uh, last week as well, but I want to make sure we get enough time to talk about this week and what's what's ahead for the NFL. So we're starting off Saturday's first game is the Bengals versus the Titans. I've been very anti-Titan and very pro-Bengals all season long. Um, Joe Burrow made it made it his first win, but the Bengals haven't won a road playoff game uh, possibly ever. I think I saw a stat on that today. So uh, they go to Nashville to play the Titans. Ryan Tannehill leading the way. Derrick Henry supposedly making his return this week as well. Dad, what are you expecting out of uh, the game in Nashville this weekend? Well, um, again, you know, around here, there's just massive, unbelievable excitement about the Bengals because they haven't been in this situation for a long time. Um, as I've tried to try to think through it, um, you know, the Titans obviously have a little bit more, well, they have more playoff experience. Um, but I think the Bengals... I, I think the Bengals have a really good chance here. If Burrow plays like he has been playing the last few weeks and their defense seems to come up with big plays, big sacks, big plays when they need to, if they can do that, then, um, you know, they, they'll be right in this game. There'll be no doubt about it. I think it should be a close game. Now, will Derrick Henry play and how big of um, – how big of a deal will that be? Again, I we've talked about this. I think the only question with the Bengals, or the biggest question, is coaching. They haven't been there. Uh, they haven't been in this situation. So I'm going to be real interested to see how they come out and start the game. Um, you know, are, are, is excitement going to get to them, or are they going to be able to just play solid football? They've got weapons. They've got offensive weapons. Um, they can control the game um, in a lot of ways. Um, 
you know, so it'll be interesting. But again, they're in Tennessee. Uh, I know the fans will be super excited there. And um, there is more experience, both probably in the coaching realm, as well as, you know, the player realm as far as being in the playoffs. I think the Bengals have a chance to really, you know, if they win this game, then it will have been a special season for them to get in the AFC championship. Uh, Most people didn't think they could win the division. People thought they could probably get in the playoffs, but not be the division winner. So real excited to see that. Of course, the Titans, you know, I'm with you. I'm, I'm just shocked that they're the number one seed. Not shocked that they won the division necessarily, even though I thought Indianapolis was going to make a move on it. But, um, um, so it, it should be, there should be all be good games, but th- this should be a very interesting one to watch. Yeah. I mean, you said it, Vrabel, Vrabel's probably coach of the year. I mean, what he did in Tennessee this year with losing Derrick Henry and still winning games, even though the division was really, really weak this year, that's, you know, kudos to Vrabel and to the Titans, the Bengals, what they have to do to win this game is start fast. They got to get a lead because that will limit Derrick Henry to some degree. Now, from what we've seen of Derrick Henry, if he's healthy, you can run Derrick Henry even if you're behind and still catch up possibly. So if he's fully healthy, uh, Derrick Henry will make a big difference in this game. But the Bengals can can limit that by getting ahead early. I like what the Bengals have offensively. I think they have a great amount of talent. I think that Coach Taylor has uh, proven this year that he was the right man for the job in Cincinnati. And uh, and now it's can he get him over that next that next next step, which is winning a game on the road in the playoffs. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Bengals in this game. I think it's going to be close. Titans are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, but I think Cincinnati has the firepower to do what needs to be done against Tennessee. And I think they're a more talented team. The question mark is Derrick Henry. How healthy is he? And uh, how much of an impact will he have? I'm assuming that Henry is not fully healthy. I'm assuming that he's got some rust on him. And for that reason, I'm going to go with Cincinnati. If Derrick Henry was fully healthy, and I knew that, I would probably pick Tennessee here. But uh, but I think I'm going to go with Cincinnati, Cincinnati this week. All yes, right. I would agree with that. Okay. Next game on Saturday is the 815 kickoff. Green Bay Packers hosting San Francisco 49ers. It's going to be cold in Lambeau. Uh, I think the high for Saturday is supposed to be in the mid-20s, the low in single digits. Um, you know, but San Francisco and Green Bay, they, they have a little bit of a history. Obviously, LaFleur and Shanahan are friends um, and coach together and all those kinds of things. And San Francisco has had, uh, at different times, advantage against Green Bay. But Green Bay has also beat them uh, this year and in recent years as well. Uh, you know, you look at quarterback Rodgers and Garoppolo, you take Rodgers any day of the week. I would take the Packers running backs. I would take the Packers receivers. Um, the question is the defense, I think, for Green Bay. And uh, they've been playing pretty well, but we've seen the defense and the special teams at times really just put a dagger in, in for Green Bay. So uh, let's get your thoughts, San Francisco and Green Bay. Well, I, I, again, I think being uh, home field with Lambeau being full this year, it is going to be cold, and it's the evening game, so it'll be single digits most of the time. I think that will have an effect. Um, I think you know, when you look at it, I think Green Bay will need to be able to control the game with the running game as well as, of course, Rodgers does a great job you know, with that then with play action. But they're going to need to do that because I don't know if you can stop Debo Samuel. Um, and, and and he plays the type of game that gives the Packers defense fits. Um, so I think the key is going to be to come out. They need to start fast, which they have not done necessarily all year. And then they're going to need to control the game. They can do that with their offensive line and with their uh, running game, no doubt about it, and with the system that they play. But I think they need to play from the front. Um, from there, again, of course, they're always capable of coming back. Um, the defense is going to be the key. Um, it's interesting, too, because they're going to get – it looks like they're going to get a lot of players back. 
some very good players. I don't think these guys will play the whole game. Um, so it's interesting to see how that's going to fit and integrate in. Of course, they've been practicing all week, and I, I think it'll just make them better. I do think their locker room is such that this, this is not going to be divisive to have these players come back and maybe even be uh, the starters. Um, but, I, you know, I, especially on defense, it just gives them a lot of great rotation that they haven't had. You're right, special teams has always been a problem. Um, they got a new returner a week or two ago. He's back now. I think he'll be the guy returning uh, without a doubt. One thing I thought of, too, with these other players coming back, it may give them a little more talent for special teams. Um, guys, you know, that, that normally they didn't play as much special teams. Um, you know, they, they may they may have their choice. The coach may have their choice of, of guys a little more because of all the people coming back. So it'll be interesting. Green Bay should be ready to go again. Uh, San Francisco, you hear it, then they have been the hottest team lately. But when you look at the records and you look at the whole year, you know, Green Bay, you know, again, last year won this game at home and, and then they won this one but didn't win in the championship. Um, they've got everything right there in front of them. I would expect them to come out and be ready. Yeah, you know, you talk about the players coming back. It always scares me when these guys have been out for a long time and they come back because the defense has kind of been clicking as of late. Uh, but I think you said it perfectly. They've got now rotational guys that they can bring in. So even if these guys only play 10 snaps, you know, that's 10 snaps that you're having all pro caliber talent in there, you know, and that makes a big difference. It always worries me when you get into a routine and now it's going to be changed, even though they're good players, you know, it's taking people out of what they were doing well over the last several weeks. So I'm interested to kind of see, where all that that thing those things go as well and defense you mentioned it with Debo Samuel's defense is what scares me the most about Green Bay right now even though they've played relatively well um, you know that that hurts I think uh, we got a comment here Packers coach said they were studying the 49ers last week because they knew Dallas was going to get beat ouch uh, so there you go um, they uh, you know Lafleur's friends with Shanahan so maybe that played into it a little bit but. Um, San Francisco scares me, Dad. The Packers are five-and-a-half-point favorites. This game could be a two-touchdown win for Green Bay, or it could be a field goal win for Green Bay, or it could be a field goal win for San Francisco. I think San Francisco is a dangerous team. Bosa is, um, you know, he he had a concussion last week, but supposedly he'll be ready to play this week, uh, which is big for San Francisco. The Green Bay defense has to step up, has to play big-time football here this week. I'm picking Green Bay, but I, I admit I'm scared this week against San Francisco. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I'll pick Green Bay, but I'll feel better when this one's over and we get a win. It could it could go right down to the wire. If it goes down to the kicker, they've got a kicker that's kicked a lot in Green Bay because um, yep. he was in Chicago there for a while. And um, But, um, I, I, again, like you said, it could be a two-score game in Green Bay's favor. I think it will be a matter of, of, of them getting a, a, at least some kind of lead and then being able to really run, control the ball, and control the clock. Because the defense does have a to have a tendency to come up with the big play every now and then when they need to. So if they can keep it where they need to. And, again, if you make Garoppolo try to beat you, then you're probably in pretty good shape. And uh, that's what will happen if you get a lead. Well said. Uh, and I don't trust Mason Crosby on the last second field goal this year. Uh, although he's done better later in the season, but he's had he's had some rough moments this year uh, as well. <clears throat> All right, Sunday then, 3 o'clock kickoff, kind of a weird time. Uh, the Rams and Tampa. Tampa will host this game. Tampa is a three-point favorite. Uh, the Rams are a scary team, Dad. And I said it you know, last week, Tampa, they got lucky playing Philadelphia because they came in kind of hurt. Um, they lost two receivers this season. They looked decent, but they were playing the Eagles, so I'm not sure how much we can take from that. Los Angeles came out and proved a point against Arizona. Uh, took them to the woodshed, so to say. And, uh, you know, but Stafford's kind of banged up as well. So uh, where are you leaning with Tampa and the Rams? Uh, well, I would pick the Rams, but again, it's it's hard to ever go against Tom Brady. I mean, he's going to have the team ready to play. But I, I do think the Rams... 
Um, you know, we've all year there's been times when you say, wow, the Rams, they're the team to beat. And if they come out and play that way and they have the talent, they have the defense, um, you know, to be able to handle things there. I don't know totally how healthy uh, Tampa Bay is going to be. Now it is in Tampa, but again, I, I think, I, you know, this is a game, you know, that the Rams definitely can win. And if they play like they did last week, I think they will. I think I saw the stat where every year that Tom Brady has played Matt Stafford in week three of the regular season, he ended up winning a Super Bowl. Uh, he played Matt Stafford this year in week three. So uh, if that means anything, I don't know. But you got the Rams going from West Coast to East Coast. Uh, I'm looking to see – they didn't really play anybody else on the East Coast this year. I'm quickly flipping through their, um, yeah, the East Coast teams that they played, they played them at home, uh, except for the Ravens, and they beat the Ravens 20-19 to 19 on the road. So, um, you know, I think the Rams have the most talent on their team, on their roster, but they haven't been consistent this year. Stafford has not played as well as I thought he would. Um, you said it's hard to go against Tom Brady, um, you know, but Arians is out there giving his own players concussions, smacking them in the head and uh, and acting like a fool. And they got coaches interviewing for jobs and all those kinds of things make me think it's kind of the perfect storm. And I think Los Angeles can pull this one off. I think they're the better team, all-around better team. But that being said, Tampa has a great coaching staff, and they have some incredible players as well. But that being said, I think Los Angeles – I'm going to go with Los Angeles in this one. I'm not confident in this pick. Uh, but you know, to me, the Rams seem to be the better the better team here, and they should come out because weather shouldn't be a big issue in Tampa. Uh, so I think I think the Rams come out and win this game against Tampa on Sunday. Yes, I would I'd agree with that. I would pick the Rams. All right, then Sunday night, six thirty p.m. kickoff is the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, this this one should be the AFC Championship game. But the way that it works out uh, and the seedings and everything, obviously, that's not the way it worked out this year. Josh Allen coming off an incredible game last week. Kansas City, I thought, was the best team coming into the AFC's playoffs. But Buffalo uh, kind of um, piqued my interest this past week. They've been good. They haven't been consistent. but They've been good here at the end of the year. Uh, this one should be the most entertaining game of the, of the weekend, I think. What are your thoughts, Buffalo growing to Kansas City? Well, I mean, I think you asked me last week who thought of being in the Super Bowl and the AFC. I said Buffalo, and I think I would still hold to that. Kansas City is very good. It's in Kansas City. But, again, you know, when you play in Buffalo, I don't think weather um, affects you there. You do have the crowd, some of the greatest fan situations anywhere is there in Kansas City. Um, but, um, I, I, you know, again, Buffalo has, has started to play well now. Again, I think they're well coached. They have a lot of talent. There's been some question about their running game, but they've been effective running the ball some too. But, if, you know, if Josh Allen comes out and has a game he can have, I think Buffalo I think Buffalo can, can advance to the championship game. Yeah, so I picked Kansas City to go to the Super Bowl. And this one, like I said, it kind of woke me up a little bit and made me think a little harder about it now coming into this week. You know, you said Buffalo struggled some on the ground this year, but when you play Kansas City, it's hard to struggle on the ground. <laughs> they have a horrible run defense. They've gotten better as the season's come on. Uh, but what it comes down for them is their offense. And you have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, Tyreek Hill, uh, Travis Kelsey. You've got these guys that are just amazing players, and they can make a huge difference in a game and can turn the tide. Kansas City can score so fast, but so can Buffalo. And they've got a great quarterback in Josh Allen who can run and pass the ball. They've got good receivers. Um, they've got an okay run game, uh, but their defense is incredible. I think they were the number one defense this season. And, um, you know, I predicted Kansas City going to the Super Bowl, so I'll go ahead and pick Kansas City this week. But I admit, uh, Buffalo has my attention, and I would not be surprised at all if Buffalo comes out and not only wins this game, but handily wins this game against Kansas City. I think Kansas City's fragile. I think they're good. I think they're fragile, and I think you can kind of get them uh, doubting very quickly if you can get a, a fast start from Buffalo. I'll pick Kansas City, um, but like I said, uh, you know, I think a fun AFC Championship game to have would be Buffalo and Cincinnati. Those fan bases um, would be a fun time uh, all the way around as well, but I, I'm, I'm going to go with Kansas City in this one hesitantly, 
needless to say, and maybe just a hold face since I picked him to go to the Super Bowl as as well uh, <laughs> this year. Um, let's talk about last week a little bit. Uh, let's start with the Philadelphia Eagles. They looked horrible pretty much the whole game. Towards the end of the game, they were able to put up a couple touchdowns. A lot of people were wondering if uh, Gardner Minshew would get a shot there in the second half. He did not. What's Jalen Hurts' future like in Philadelphia? Is, is he going to be their quarterback next year, or are they already looking to move on from him? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's a chance that they will still stay with him and see if he can develop. I don't know if that's what they should do or not. I'm a little surprised that Minshew didn't get a chance. Uh, again, I think he's proved this year. I think he'll be one of the guys that uh, teams looking for quarterbacks. I think he's worth, you know, taking a look at for sure. Um, at, with Philadelphia, I, I, you know, I have no idea what they're going to be thinking for next year. So, Hertz is like the perfect backup quarterback. He's a guy that can come in and win a game. Uh, he can hold, kind of hold the the boat there for for a couple of games if you need him to. But if you want him there for seventeen games in a regular season. It just doesn't seem like he's the guy that's going to get it done for you. And uh, now maybe if he gets put in a different system, but Philadelphia ran the ball a lot with him. Uh, Miles Sanders, when healthy, had a decent year as well. Jalen Hurts is a guy that uh, he's winning is in his blood, but I'm not sure that the NFL quarterback position is, and that could make it hard for him moving forward. But then again, the question is, is who do you get? Who do you replace him with? Do you replace him with Gardner Minshew? Do you replace him with Deshaun Watson? Do you replace him with a, a rookie? There are no rookies out there right now that make you go, oh, this guy's awesome. So, um, you know, that puts you in a bad spot, I think, if you're Philadelphia this year with Jalen Hurts as your quarterback. You almost might have to go with him into next season as your quarterback just based off of the limited options that are available to you um, out there for sure. Uh, let's talk about Arizona. Arizona and Los Angeles – uh, faced off, you know, Arizona has had a really rough end of the season. They had a great start to the season. It did not end so well. Uh, do you think Arizona needs to shake things up, thinking mainly with coaching, but maybe other positions well that, that uh, kind of come to mind? Well, I thought about that, and I heard it talked about this week. I think Arizona, with Kingsbury there, has improved every year. Now, again, this year was tough because it looked like they were really going to be a power, and then all of a sudden they really did struggle. I think I think they ought to stay with him and with Murray and everything at least one more year. I, I don't see shaking it up. I think they've got some talent there. They've got some ability. I don't know. I know you've not, never been big on Kingsbury as an NFL coach, um, and, and, and it may not work out, but at this point, the way they have improved and um, some of the things they've shown, I, I think it'd be worth – I'd be surprised, and I don't think they probably ought to make a change yet. Yeah, I, it'd be hard to move on from them, I think, this year. But you look at this team and how talented they were and what a great start of the season they had. I think you saw their ceiling this year. I think they're the second-best team in the West – um, I think that they are the seventh best team, uh, maybe sixth best team in the NFC. Uh, I don't think Kingsbury is going to get you a Super Bowl. I just don't think he has that that in him. And uh, but he's done better than I thought he would do when he got hired. I did not think he would have as much success as he had. Kyler Murray, you know, he's great when healthy, but he doesn't stay healthy. DeAndre Hopkins is great when healthy, but he wasn't healthy this year. AJ Green did not add what they were hoping he would add. Uh, to the team. Zach Ertz didn't add what they were hoping he would add. The defense was banged up as well. Uh, I agree with you. I think one more year makes sense, but I think the leash will be shorter uh, going into next season with the idea of, hey, the expectations are high for this team, and uh, if they don't get met, maybe it's time to try to find someone else to come in and finish off what Kingsbury started here in Arizona. Um, uh, You like Kyler Murray, right? Yes, yes. I, I, I've i been very surprised. I sure didn't think he would break on the scene as quick as he did, but I think he's a guy you can build a team with. It sure looks like it. Yeah, I mean, and he has moments, though, where he looks really bad. A lot of people are saying he should go play baseball, uh, you know, those kinds of things. I don't think that's the case. I think he's where he's supposed to be, but um, he needs to continue to make progress. He needs to continue to get better, be more consistent as he grows as an NFL quarterback as well. And then I want to talk about Dallas and San Francisco. That game, Dad, was absolutely crazy. And uh, sitting here, they're marching down the field. The Cowboys were, 
And I just thought, wow, they're actually going to do this because all they had to do was get the touchdown, the extra point, they win the game. I thought they had a really good opportunity at it. And then the last play call, the quarterback draw up the middle to slide and then try to spike the ball and get one more play in. Um, what's your thoughts on it? Right call, wrong call, um, coach's fault, Dak's fault. Where, where do you lean on that? Um, well, I, I, it, it was the wrong call, I think. Um, the way they'd been moving the ball and getting nine or ten yards at a time, I expect them to throw one to out, another out, get another eight, nine, twelve yards, um, and then you know they're they're close enough to take a good shot at it. There, um, you know, I you know again, I've heard you know all the talk this week, and the deal as well is going to be a long hail mary. But they had another play to run. And even when, when I saw Dak running, I thought, well, here in a minute, he's going to swerve toward the sideline and, uh, you know, run out of bounds and, and, and get the clock stopped. So when he kept running up the field, I, I thought, what in the world is going on? Um, as far as the play, the way it got messed up, I've heard a lot of talk this week and I, it does fall on coaching because that's a situation that should be practiced, should be talked about, People should have known how to handle that to, to try to get it, you know, with the official and the lineman to get out of the way where they could have 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 spiked it there. I think the play was ill advised, um, but again, it was not executed well either. Um, to me, the thing that really hurt Dallas was I would, you know, I, I was watching the game with your mom and we were talking about it, and I said early on, I said, now Dallas is not disciplined. And all of a sudden, here's penalty after penalty after penalty. You got defensive linemen tackling offensive linemen when they've got everything going in the right direction for them. I mean, it was just one. The penalties really stacked up and hurt them from there, or, or the game might not have been as close. Come down to the final play there at the end. Um, so I, you know, I, I I think it does fall some on coaching. Um, but that's something, again, I think McCarthy is going to take a little more time to get his system and, and discipline in place. Um, but I think the fact that they're not real disciplined, they got great defensive players, but um, their, their team as a whole, I think the penalties really hurt. Do you put any fault on the official for how he ran into the back of the lineman and ran into Dak Prescott? Um, was there, is there anything that you can look at and say, yeah, the official also, not only the play calling, not only the play execution, but the officiating also was a problem there? I don't think this was the official's fault. No, I, I, I don't think from there. I mean, you, you, I mean, he had to get the offensive guy out of the way to get to the ball. And like you said, you know, a lot of experienced quarterbacks know, hey, get the ball to the official so he can get it set. And um, so I, I don't think it was the official's fault on this one. Yeah, I think coaching has some to do with this, but I think it was execution was the biggest problem. Prescott had wide open field, so I actually thought the play call wasn't horrible. The difference was is Prescott needed to go down about four yards earlier to make sure he had plenty of time to get the ball set and get the spike down before uh, anything else happened. He just had to understand it wasn't about gaining as many yards as you can. It's, it's using the time that you have wisely. And had he gone down four yards earlier, five yards earlier, then they could have got the ball set, spiked the ball. They would have had one shot at the at the at the end zone. I would have taken two shots at the end zone personally, um, and and gone from there. But that's because I mean you get pass interference called. Uh, you get a pass interference in the end zone. Next thing you know, you're 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 first and goal at the goal line. Uh, and so that that would seem to make the most sense. Kellen Moore, who's being interviewed for head coaching jobs, may not have the opportunity to be head coach now this next year because of that play call. Mike McCarthy is gaining a lot of heat for it as well. And time management has not been Mike McCarthy's strong point. Um, neither has discipline um, been his strong point, especially in the later years at Green Bay and now his first year at Dallas as well. Um, so that was a crazy ending to the game. I think there's a lot of fault to go around. I think their official was at fault too. I don't think he's the main problem, but uh, as an official, you've got to be a little bit better at getting through the line. Um, you know, he—I mean—he pushed Dak Prescott past the offensive lineman, and you know that's just—and then he moved the ball back two yards after he spotted it too. I mean, you could have just touched it and and moved on. But uh, either way, uh, Dallas is the biggest uh, biggest fault in that situation. They blew an opportunity to take the lead there at the end, and uh, and I'm interested to see what excitement happens this weekend in the NFL. 
as well and what's ahead for uh, these playoffs because it definitely will be exciting. All right, I want to let everybody know you can uh, catch our program Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 7 a.m. and 2 p.m. on the Tiki Live app on your streaming TV. Uh, you go to the Tiki Live app, go to the search, type in Belly Up, and uh, it'll pop up. Click on that. We'll be on. Uh, very soon we'll have uh, – we'll be in the channel channel menu as well. But for now, that's the way to do it. You can always listen to us on the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts as well. Today's episode is presented by Belly Up Fantasy Baseball Live starting February 20th. You can catch Belly Up, Belly Up Fantasy Baseball Live on Facebook, Twitter, and on the Tiki Live app. Uh, hosted by Kevin Wilson and myself. We'll bring you player rankings for the first several weeks. We'll even have a live draft coming up in March. And then all throughout the season, we'll keep you updated on on all that's going on in the fantasy baseball world as well. Uh, Thank you to Graham Wallace for being on with us tonight. Sure appreciated him. Thanks, Dad, as well, for joining me again. Uh, Catch us on uh, Monday morning for the next episode. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sports Stove as well. Dad, any closing thoughts? No, like I said, it's going to be a great week of football, Should great weekend, should be really good games. Um, hopefully they will be all the way along. Hopefully the officials won't be deciding these, but it seems like there's always problems coming in the playoffs. So we, 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 you never know. It, you know, you think, boy, they're going to be exciting big plays, but you never know what's going to happen with the officials. Hopefully the Packer game will be really boring. Hopefully they'll blow them out. We won't have to. Won't have to stress out at all any, anyways there. All right, friends, have a good time. Enjoy football this weekend and everything else going on as well. Until next time, we'll see you around the sports stove.